and gentlemen, dear listeners of all ages, welcome back to Fear Boners, presented by the Down in Front podcast. I'm your host, Andrew, and tonight I'm very, very excited to be discussing the movie that we'll be talking about. Warren, our fearless leader over at Down in Front podcast, was going to be joining me, but unfortunately our schedules didn't really match up, so I'll be flying solo tonight. But before we get into that, up to our eyeballs in the nitty-gritty, Uh, Let me tell you what I'm drinking and what I've been watching. As for what I'm drinking, it is a red wine. It's got a goat on the label. It's in a bottle. Um, And that's all I really know about it. Uh, It's pretty good. It's pretty cheap. Works for me. Does the trick. And for what I've been watching, I just finished watching a few episodes of High School of the Dead. That's an anime that's available on Hulu. It might be on Crunchyroll. I'm not quite sure. Um, But it is a fun, sort of schlocky zombie stereotypical adventure with high school kids Japanese cartoon it does very heavily include a lot of fan service um, which is a bit distracting because the story itself is actually pretty good Um, they do include a lot of things that you wouldn't really consider in a regular zombie horror movie of the genre it does kind of have a worldwide view of what would potentially be going on outside of Japan because the main story itself is taking place in Japan Um, but we do see a lot of what's happening in other parts of Europe and uh, the US especially but then there are also a lot of big boobs and butts which is weird and kind of not my cup of tea but you know as long as you can overlook that and skip that part it's it's pretty fun Yeah, so I guess if you're into anime and you like zombie movies or zombie stories, that's a pretty good one. But yeah, let's get into it. So tonight what we'll be discussing is the recently released A Quiet Place, written, directed, produced by, and starring The Office's own John Krasinski. Now, I wasn't aware of his deep, deep involvement until the credits actually started rolling. Before that, I only thought he was just starring in the film. But honestly, he had a lot on the line. He worked very hard on this movie, and it shows. Going forward, I'm going to do my best not to spoil it, because honestly, up front, I'm going to tell you guys, I hope you all go out of your way to see this movie. They've done an excellent job marketing it. It's been popping up everywhere on the internet. There have been commercials. They've been doing a good job for a good reason. This movie is legitimately very enjoyable and very fun and also in the long run very accessible i don't think you necessarily have to be a super horror hound or horror fan or somebody who picks up on this kind of stuff anyone who walked into a movie theater and was curious and was just like i'll buy a ticket for that movie would probably enjoy it it is an interesting interesting horror movie it's very different um while also being a little formulaic and at the same time, still really enjoyable. Off the bat, if you've seen the trailer, you're going to know that it's all about the fact that they have to be very quiet. And throughout the film, that is an overarching theme. Now, the fact of the matter is, they aren't quiet throughout the entire movie. Obviously, you are going to know that. Someone pointed something out to me right before I went into that movie. My friend Maddox, who viewed it with me, the other night, uh, said there's going to be a scene where someone has a baby, and then immediately I thought, how the heck are they going to do that without making a sound? 
Then I got really concerned for that person. Even though it is just a movie, I was like, how is that going to work? That just upped the stakes and made it very difficult and very different. And I was processing it and thinking about it. And then I got very anxious going into the movie because I was like, shit, I don't know what's going to happen. And not right off the bat, but eventually it is established that the mother of the family you were introduced to in the movie is pregnant. Now, how they went about making that baby without making any noises, I don't know. But then constantly your mind is reeling thinking, yeah, but what happens, you know, eight or nine months down the line when this baby's ready to come out? How are you, how are you going to deal with that without making a sound? Because we all know if you saw the trailer or even if you saw the first five or ten minutes of the movie... You can't make a noise. You can't make a sound. Even the smallest sound attracts serious danger. Bodily harm definitely insured if you make even the slightest peep, which, knowing me, I can't keep my mouth shut. I'm constantly blabbing, talking about this or that, or saying, hey, have you seen this movie, or making one of these podcasts. But the thing is, if we did live in a world where none of us could make sound no matter what, you don't think about it that way. You think, oh yeah, you know, I I don't have to talk to people, I could text them, or I don't have to say hi to everybody that I pass on the street. But it's not just that, it's, you know, you stub your foot or something and you just go, ah, damn, that's it, that's all it takes. Right off the bat, this movie does a really good job of introducing you into this world. It tells you how long it's been sort of since whatever went down. A lot of what goes on in this movie, a lot of what we're introduced to, the world that we're introduced to, is extremely vague. We don't know why it is. We don't know what happened to cause this issue or where these things came from. But we do know that it is a worldwide issue, and we do know that a lot of people have probably died. And so it is sort of post-apocalyptic. It's definitely a post-apocalyptic movie, because we're introduced to this family, three kids, two parents, all still alive, very young, all of them, and they're doing their best to stay very, very quiet. Nobody talks in the first few scenes, not even a whisper. Everybody's speaking with ASL, everybody's sign, signing to one another. The daughter is is deaf, so she can't hear, so the entire family knows ASL to communicate with her. And while that is great for them, that they all know that language and can communicate otherwise, it's sort of difficult because the way that this movie plays with sound is very interesting. Every time that a scene is introduced from the daughter's perspective, the sound disappears entirely. So just like that scene in um, Star Wars recently that upset everyone because they were like, oh no, the sound cut out. Oh god, what's happening? Because of course there's going to be sound in the vacuum of space. It is a little off-putting. It does kind of ratchet up the tension and that's what this movie is all about is all about sound because you have to be very cognizant of it at all times and it's a very quiet movie and it's also a very different experience for the for the theater viewer as well because if you're in a theater with a lot of people or a small amount of people it makes you nervous and you can kind of hear every 
crinkling wrapper or every chittering set of teeth or in my viewing at least there were a couple people who did that oh no don't go in there or why are you so dumb don't don't do that they would whisper because they got so nervous and it was kind of great because you could tell that there were other people in the in the theater with you who were very nervous because this movie does a lot of things really well but one of them it kind of brings everyone together in this quiet space because you almost feel like you're with them because the the silence is deafening in a way because basically you're brought into this world where you're watching a movie and we're used to movies being loud and boisterous and bright and you know all these things going on another thing before I get deeper into this as I talk about how quiet this film is that I found very interesting was apparently Michael Bay was also a producer on this movie and considering how many explosions have been in his repertoire of movies it's interesting for him to have been linked to a movie that for the most part is a silent movie almost now with that being said there are scenes where the characters speak audibly there are scenes where the characters speak in a whisper there are scenes where some things explode or there are loud noises but it's introduced so much later in the film that it's almost I wouldn't say a jump scare but you've already acclimated yourself to being in this environment that's so incredibly quiet it's almost like watching an ASMR video on YouTube so you're expecting tones like this and sounds like this and then all of a sudden this happens out of nowhere and you don't expect it and it's it's not a cheap trick it's very well done it's very well thought out and it's very well placed the pacing of the movie considering how many movies have come out recently that in my opinion at least have had pacing issues big big hollywood productions that are like over overblown and grandiose enjoyable but still have very glaring pacing issues this movie is very well paced it puts you in a place and in a time with these people and things progress as as well as you would hope they would or in the direction that you think they would but nothing necessarily seems out of place timing wise so with that being said in the beginning of the movie some very drastic things happen things to me at least from other movies that i've seen signaled good things a very, very, very young child dies within the first five minutes of the movie. And I'm not saying that's a great thing, but when a movie takes a, a very daring risk like that, portraying something like that on film, like you see it happen, it's it just means that the movie's not afraid to crank it up to tell a story. Like it's not going to sugarcoat it. But at the same time, it doesn't have to be... Like, it wasn't incredibly violent. This movie isn't incredibly violent. It's just sort of shocking. But there's no crazy gore. Um, there's a few gory scenes, but it's not over the top. It's not like you're walking into a Saw movie or um, anything like that. Another thing that I wanted to discuss is the fact that... I was really concerned because I was worried that this was going to be another example of a film like It Comes at Night 
which was another movie I think came out last year, the year before, that I was very excited for because I saw the trailer and it looked really atmospheric and creepy. But at the end of the day, unfortunately, it wasn't bad, but it tried really hard to tell a story where it was insinuating that there was a monster, but really it just wanted to portray that in reality, the true monster is us. We ourselves are the monsters. And it seems very, very bland. It doesn't come across well. While while the scenes and the shots in that film are very well done, and the sound is also very well done, it just drags. And the end of that movie is a big bummer. And it is an enjoyable movie, but it just wasn't what I wanted. It wasn't what I needed. When I came out of that theater, I felt shitty. I didn't feel like I necessarily enjoyed the movie. I didn't hate it, but I was just like, oh man, okay, well, wasn't necessarily what I was expecting, but I guess that was a thing that I just saw. This movie, though, A Quiet Place, was everything that I wanted It Comes at Night to be. And saying that, a little bit of a spoiler, is the fact that it isn't us this time. We are not the monsters. The monsters are monsters. Thank God, right? Um, in this film, the threat that comes from making noise is followed up by a giant, terrifying, unidentifiable, weird, gangly, hideous monster that's going to straight up jack you up and kill you horrendously if you make even the slightest noise. It's great, and they handle it so well in this movie, because right off the bat, we see a few things that are like, okay, so there's this family, they're walking around, they're being very careful, they're being very cautious, they're trying not to make any noise, but we don't know why. We see papers strewn about the, about the ground that say things like, oh, they're coming, or oh, it's sound, or we don't know how to beat them, like there's all these crazy newspapers flying around in the, the, the wind that say these headlines. And it builds up this universe where it's obviously a very serious problem, but we don't know what's doing this. And early on, we do see, like I said, the, the child gets killed pretty terribly, but we don't really see the monster. It's very blurry and it's very fast. So it's like a, a quick cut that we see it happen, because these things move very, very fast. And throughout the film, that's most of what we get, is these kind of out-of-the-corner-of-your-eye glimpses of this indescribable, lurching creature with exaggerated limbs and terrifying teeth and weird bits and pieces, and we're not quite sure what it is or where it came from. So it's this big, mysterious... Lovecraftian thing. Saying that, again, as I've said in other podcasts, doesn't necessarily mean it has tentacles. Spoilers, it doesn't have tentacles. It wouldn't be better with tentacles. Throughout the movie, we do kind of get the picture unblurred, and by the end of the film, we do get a much better look at this creature. But it is a very, very satisfying view at this monster, because really, for the most part, it is done in CG. 
Um, I don't know how much traditional effects went into this film, but God, this monster is so cool, and it's so well designed, and it's so well handled. Again, the the sound effects, um, not only what the the people do or what happens in their environment, but the monster sounds are so great, and the close-ups and the long shots and the wide angles and the weird angles and the blurred shots of this monster are just so much, like it ratchets up the tension because you're like, oh God, what was that? Oh, does it have claws? Does it have teeth? What the hell is that? What is its face doing? Like, does it have a face? It's so good. And I could I don't think I could have been happier with how it was handled. But let me back up a little bit because I just basically monstered my way through the entire movie. We're introduced to a cute little family. And they're alive somehow, which we aren't really explained as to why they were so well prepared or how they got to where they got to but they survived nonetheless to give us this movie there are a few rules set early on that are very strict that kind of get bent later on in the movie whereas sounds are a little bit more taboo in the early parts of the film then it kind of flexes at the end and you know they're kind of communicating and they're kind of talking and it's not like crazy yelling and crazy like you know it's not like over the top but it's interesting to see how set up they are because basically what happens is we see them in the beginning of the film and it's about 90 days into the incident or whatever the the release of the monsters on the world and the world's already so it's 90 days after either we don't know what it's 90s after actually i don't I, i can't speak to it i don't know if it's 90 days after the monster showed up or 90 days after the end of the world um But then there's a jump that's about a year later. And so at that point, they're almost 400 and some days into whatever this is. And they seem to be doing fine. They're living on this, like, farm. And they have this whole setup where they're not making any noise and they're not talking. But they're still living sort of normal lives. Um, But then we see, yes, the, the mother is pregnant. And the father is working very hard to try and build a hearing aid for his deaf daughter that will actually allow her to regain even the slightest bit of hearing so in a world where it would be very very beneficial to hear what's going on around you especially if there's these things lurking everywhere it's a very daunting task we don't know why he has a background in electronics or how he managed to have the ability to build these hearing aids but it's um it's an interesting it's an interesting part of the story especially the relationship between the father and daughter is very heavy part of the film but it's interesting because there are a few parts of the film that feel a little out of place and by that i mean there's several parts of the film where we see people just walking around barefoot almost all the time and the we never really get told what part of the world they live in or it's clearly America but like we don't know what part of the US they're in but i don't think it's a part where you would get away with walking around barefoot all the time i know that's a little weird nitpicky thing to pick up on but i was like well yeah but like what if you get a cold day god like if you were walking around with bare feet and you know even 40 degree weather that would suck things like that kind of stuck out to me but also at the same time 
the other side of the coin could be maybe that's how desperate they are maybe at this point it's very obvious that these folks are very scared of whatever could come for them or whatever could potentially happen so maybe they don't mind getting a cold and or the flu to bother walking barefoot through the snow which after seeing that movie i don't blame them but it is kind of still weird to me there are also parts where it slowly reintroduces us to dialogue because at first i thought oh wow this whole movie's going to be an asl which was interesting but then there are scenes where folks talk to each other and it's nice because it almost seems like more important that they're speaking in those in those scenes but then it eventually just kind of becomes the norm and obviously there's scenes where they're panicked and they just need to communicate through speech which is fine but especially with a very heavy first half of the film that's very silent it just kind of stuck out to me but at the same time there's other scenes that come off as being very romantic or very sweet because you know there's a scene in particular where the wife has headphones in and then she puts one of the headphones in his head and then the entire thing is just music and they're dancing and it's like okay well what was silent for him was this for her and then it's them together and that was great little things like that are what make this movie different because it plays with sound in that way and i feel like working on this film one of the best positions probably would have been the foley artist who actually had to go back and re-record sounds or the sound editing anything like that just taking into consideration what certain things sounded like and there's a lot of the movie where I don't even know how they manage but there's these trails of sand that are apparently supposed to negate sound as they step around even in the woods and stuff like that but at the end of the day it is a little distracting because how much sand do they have where do they get all this sand why are they walking on it all the time and it also sort of points out the fact that throughout the house and other buildings that they've encountered all the doors are open all the time now I understand that a door swinging open and closing and especially in the old house they're in is probably extremely creaky but I don't think that closing a door would be that big of a deal if you were careful about it like there's there's some things again like the rules are strict in the beginning but then kind of flexible because sometimes they can make some noises like slight noises but I think you could get away with closing a door especially the house's front door without making a noise because a big part later in the film when the the things are encountering them in buildings and stuff nobody ever shuts doors nobody barricades anything there's no real defenses against these things because I guess they're afraid to make noise. I mean, you don't have to, like, hammer nails into something, but you could even just stack something against a door or build something freehand. I don't know, but it just seemed like having all of your doors open all the time, again, not only does that mean that in the winter, wherever they were, you're running the risk of frostbite and hypothermia and getting a cold or getting the flu or what have you because you're just open air all the time, but also, not only just these things, but any other person or animal could just wander into your house. It seemed a little weird to me that that was a thing. Like, I get it. They are very vulnerable. Even just a tiny little squeak could get you killed. But 
I don't know, it seemed a little distracting, but not in a bad way. Um, like I'm saying, I still really enjoyed this movie. There's just little things like that that kind of stuck out to me. Another thing was all the kids in the movie don't look like they would be John Krasinski and Emily Blunt's children. They all have odd baby faces, even though like a couple of them are probably in their early teenage years. It just looks like a baby's face was put onto like a 12, 13, 14-year-old's body, and it's really weird. Weirds me out. It's kind of creepy, honestly, considering it's a horror movie. Sometimes there were some scenes where it zoomed in on their faces, or you saw them make an emotion or say something, and it was just a little unsettling. <laughs> Beyond that, the kids are great. Most people who know me will tell you Andrew hates kids in movies. These kids were fine. They were definitely a significant part of the film, and it was important that they were there, and it's important that they acted the way they did and they were the way they were but in addition both John Krasinski and Emily Blunt were in my opinion two of the most convincing and well acted parents in any film because of how dedicated they were to just keeping their children safe and just building this world and this environment in this terrifying place that kids could in a way have a semi-normal life and I really really appreciate that and thought that was really great the way that it came across and towards the end of the movie when you see you know the sacrifices that they've made and the things that they've worked so hard for and the way that they've tried to upkeep this life for these kids who at times seem fairly ungrateful for it they just continue to do whatever they can for their children no matter what including the scene where Emily Blunt has to give birth in this world that is terrifying but utterly entertaining because I was on the edge of my seat waiting for her to just scream bloody murder because she's giving birth in a bathtub and you don't know what the hell's going to happen because one of these things is right outside the door and it's just one of the most tense scenes I've ever seen in a horror movie because at that point in the movie it's well established you know what's going on you know what's there you know what can potentially happen and it's just amazing. Um, everybody in the theater was just on edge. You know, everybody at the end was shook. Nobody, I feel like, left feeling shortchanged. This movie, I hope, I hope, 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 gets traction, makes money, does good things. I know John Krasinski has been trying very hard to escape the shadow of The Office, even though he's amazing in that show. When you work on a show like that, for that many years it's kind of hard to become something other than the office guy but I think this movie might definitely be the one to do it because again like I said not only is he starring in the movie but he produced it he directed it and he wrote it you know I'm, I mean he worked with other people on it but like he did a lot to get this movie out and for a horror movie nowadays to be that good and that mainstream and that well marketed I think it's a great step for him, and I'm really looking forward to, to see how things go with this movie and for him in general. Now, with that all said and done, I would highly urge everyone to go out and see this movie, even if you don't like horror movies. If this is the only one you see all year, I would definitely say take a peek. It's not going to be all jump scares, but that is one of the things I wanted to speak about was the fact that you can't make a peep, and yet there are moments in the film where maybe you're not jump-scared, but the people in the movie are jump-scared because someone sneaks up on them, 
or they catch something out of the corner of their eye, or they step on something unexpectedly, or something weird happens, and there's no cursing in this movie. There's no, oh shit, ah damn, fuck! There's nothing like that throughout this entire movie, and either we have to believe these people are so well-disciplined being in this world for a little over a year that they just don't do that, or they just remembered the script perfectly and it was just, don't curse. That part, again, was a little distracting and was a little unbelievable, but when we're in a universe like that, whatever. That being said, there were some people in the theater who did fill those in for us because, you know, when things like that happen in a movie, you can't really control the people in the theater, so somebody's going to drop an F-bomb or somebody's going to drop a, you know whatever bomb and uh that's what's kind of great is there is a fair amount of um, audience participation in this film because like i said the theater itself was fairly quiet you could hear just about everything at certain points in this movie it's kind of weird but yeah if you get a chance this weekend or next weekend or the weekend after that go to see a quiet place in a theater near you because it is one of the better horror movies to come out in a while and i highly recommend it This movie also does a couple other things that I found very interesting. It made me afraid of corn. Like, corn off the cob, too. Not even corn on the cob. It has a scene where you will be terrified of the existence of corn. And that is amazing. Also, I I haven't seen a movie that dealt with sound this specifically and this directly and this interestingly since maybe the film Don't Breathe. If you haven't seen that one, it's another really good one. It's about a army veteran who lives in a house all by himself. Uh, He's gone blind, and these people, uh, he lives on the outskirts of Detroit, and if you are familiar, uh, there's a lot of neighborhoods surrounding the city of Detroit that are mostly abandoned, and he lives in one of those, so he's the only person in the neighborhood, and these people decide to rob him because they hear a rumor that he has lots of money in his house, but he is also like an ex-marine or something, so he's going to be able to defend himself. But then once they hear he's blind, they're like, yeah, whatever. So most of that movie is them sneaking around in the dark, trying not to make a single sound, because this guy is military trained, and he can hear like a hawk. I guess it's see like a hawk, but he hears like a hawk. And that movie is also terrifying and does really interesting things with sound, much like A Quiet Place. Um, So if you see Quiet Place and dig it, definitely also make sure to check out Don't Breathe. Now, don't think I forgot about the most important part of this review. This is a great date movie. You should go to see this with your significant other. There are, like I said, parts of the movie that are fairly romantic. But there are significant parts of this movie that are very scary. So it has both, and it does both, and you've got to get yourself a movie that does both. So... Get your girlfriend, get your boyfriend, get whoever, go see this movie, and, uh, yeah, feel free to reach out. I have a new email now set up for the Fear Boners, uh, fearboners, D-I-F-P, at gmail.com. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you thought of the movie if you go out and see it. Let me know what your girlfriend or boyfriend or whoever thought about the movie. I would love to hear from you. If you're watching other movies, tell me about those, too. I want to hear from you guys more than anything. Especially if you were listening to the episode. Tell me what you think. And dear listeners, if you did enjoy what you heard, you can find out more about what we're making and what we're doing on a regular basis. You can check out our website at downinfrontpodcast.com. 
We're also on Facebook at facebook.com backslash downinfrontpodcast. You can email the DIFP guys directly at downinfrontpodcast at gmail.com with any questions, concerns, or recommendations. We also have a YouTube channel. We're also twitching. You can find us playing video games every once in a while on twitch.tv backslash downinfrontpodcast. We constantly tweet. We can't shut up. We have a problem. We are on the Twitter at underscore D-I-F-P. And, dear listeners, if you do enjoy what we do, we do it for you, you can contribute, and you can be a part of it, and you can help us by visiting patreon.com backslash downinfrontpodcast and pledging to donate a monthly amount, no matter what it is, a dollar, a hundred dollars, we don't care. Whatever you can contribute is a big deal to us, and we very much appreciate it. We thank you guys so much, even just for listening. So if you get a chance to check that out, peep it, let us know, reach out to us, and we love you forever. This has been Fear Boners, Presented by the Down and Front Podcast, I am your host, Andrew Abbott, the Abs Man. You can find me on the internet everywhere, watching you all the time for no reason. But otherwise, we'll be back and spookier than we were before. We'll see you then.